Does your significant other work out in Covington, Georgia? Does she have to drive a significant amount of way? Along the way, you might have to get some gas. Fuel up, if you will. Is there a chance that this person's going to lose their wallet? If they do, make sure it happens at a marathon gas station, because that's the classiest people I've ever met in my life. Wallet on the ground, not only will they hold it, but they will do supreme vetting to make sure that the right person is getting this wallet back. Marathon gas stations. Honest folk. Fueling the American spirit. Let's start the show. (laughs) What's up, Atlanta sports fans? My name is Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? It's going well. I'm a little offended that you didn't uh, recognize the other guest sitting next to you. Yes. Alongside me, as most of the time, to my right, is, of course, Tiller of the Dog, uh, Adam's faithful beast who likes to walk around during uh, when we're recording. <laughs> so it's only a matter of time before that will happen where we have to stop while she walks around and eats she's like a uh I feel like she's like an anorexic dog almost not that she looks anorexic but she doesn't seem like she likes to eat but she only likes to eat it seems like when we're when we're, we're doing this we're recording but so. at this point it's an integral part of what we have going on here it's oh like yeah it's every podcast and team has their like producer in the back mm-hmm. and ours is tiller ours is tiller greatest producer a uh, podcast duo could ask for so good on you tiller first ever on air shout out but uh yeah besides that it's going pretty well we're sitting here watching our one in seven atlanta hawks oh yeah uh, pretty exciting stuff. With a crowd estimated to be about uh, 3,500. We don't know whether or not all the people there are there for a post-game concert, but I can only assume that's why they're there. Fair. Uh, what's happening with you, man? Well, not much. i am uh, been doing a lot of thinking about uh, the Falcons and, and, and where they're at after that uh, victory against the Jets. We've been going to church, kneeling... Just, just contemplating the Falcons. Yeah, forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. I am thinking about Andre Roberts when I should be thinking about you and, <laughs> and, and, and why he likes to fair catch the ball at the three-yard line whoa, and whoa. then let it bounce at the 18-yard line where the Jets can recover it at the one-yard line and put us in a precarious position on offense. Well, he also almost ran a touchdown back. Well, he did run a he touchdown He did run a touchdown back. back. But... Um, some it got beat, called back. Some BS call. That was though. a bad call. Anyways, we got a uh, fun show for you all today. We're going to get into the Falcons, talk a little bit about the Jets game, but then turn our attention mostly towards the Panthers game coming up just because we're recording a little later in the week. Um, and we'll also be talking about Adam's journey to the Great Anus, a.k.a. Mercedes-Benz Stadium, to watch Atlanta United fully indoctrinate themselves into the annals of Atlanta sports history with a classic playoff defeat in the first round. All right, let's jump right into it. We got the... Uh, a lot of Falcons talk to get to. We finally snapped that horrific three-game losing streak all against the AFC East. So we're not swept by the AFC East. We beat the Jets 25-20 to on Sunday. Um, it was an ugly game. The elements certainly played a factor. It rained like a motherfucker. But I think there were some positives to take away from this game, despite the fact that 
it was a tough game, and, and the Jets really played as hard, even though they made a, their share of mistakes along the way. And the Jets are a lot better than anybody thought they were going to be I mean, at they, this point they, of the year. They pushed the Patriots to the breaking point, and if that, I think it was a touchdown that got called back or something, they, they definitely could have beaten them. So well, They just killed the uh, Bills last night as well. Yeah. So, I mean, they're a decent football team. Old 38-year-old Josh McCown still got a little something left in that arm. Yeah, so coming into the game, I think they said on the uh, broadcast that McCown was top five in the NFL in completion percentage on the year. So, I mean, I, I think they said that he was like 18 of 21 at one point in the third quarter. Um, I mean, he was efficient despite the elements being so terrible. I mean, especially that first drive, and they just carved right through us. Yeah, that, that, was, uh, that was ugly on our defensive end. But. Yeah, but I will say that Matt, despite fumbling the ball, it seemed like every other Three snap, times. Three times, and I think... Um, I feel like there was a fourth time, but does that two-point conversion count? I thought that was the third time. Was that the third time? I don't know. It was at least three times he fumbled the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, despite that, despite the issues he's having Alex Mack and the weather, he was really on point, I thought, from an accuracy standpoint. And um, made a hell of a play to Sanu. Mm, that was beautiful. Yeah. Stepped up in the pocket, kept his eyes down the field. Yeah, it was a red zone scenario. Um I think it was third down two. We really needed a touchdown that, in that instance, more so than, than normal when you're in the red zone just because of where the game was. And um, he just stepped in the pocket, threw across his body, scrambled a little bit, threw across his body to Sanu. Sanu made a fantastic catch in the back of the end zone. I think that was the, the go-ahead score um, to yeah. sort of put the game – not really put the game away, but it, it, it put us in the fantastic position to finish the game. So Sanu's yeah. just showing how important he is for this team. Yeah, we really missed him. him back. Like that's a big difference. Yeah, he is he is Mister Reliable. Yeah, and so that was good with Matt. So he finished with uh, eighteen of twenty nine, two hundred fifty four yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Um, he should have had a third touchdown if Austin Hooper hadn't dropped a really easy pass in the end zone. But it was raining really hard. But even still, it was yeah. like. I mean, Devontae had one as well. Yeah, that was a little more challenging to catch, but it was like a perfect throw led Hooper. Right where he needed to go, and just squirted right out of his hands. Another positive was the run defense, particularly in the second half. In total, they only allowed 43 yards, with the top rusher being Bilal Powell, only gaining 33 yards in 14 attempts, averaging under three yards per rush. So that was that was outstanding. Grady Jarrett and Dunterry Poe. Um, Jarrett showed up a lot this year. He was a little quiet in the uh, the Patriots game, but he's shown up a lot this year. But Poe's been like a ghost, and we were we were talking about even if he's not effective he's going to open up opportunities for other people and that hasn't happened but you know they combined on a sack they were blowing up some plays in the backfield uh jared had you know here's a seemed like multiple tackles for loss here's a question yeah two tackles for loss i mean it, it was a really good game for the interior of the defensive line do you think grady jarrett's are uh one of the top two or three defensive players at this point yeah i think so i think he's the anchor on that on that defensive line right now from a fifth-round draft pick, that's phenomenal. I remember you saying, because for those who don't know, Grady Jarrett went to Clemson, where Adam went, and I know Adam had a first-hand, you know, first-hand look at Grady and was saying, you know, we got him in the fifth round, that this is going to be an absolute steal, and so far it's, it's paying out to be that way. Yeah, generally, if you could get a defensive lineman from Clemson, it's going to work out all right for you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he was just a beast his senior year at Clemson. And he's turned into a true beast here. I mean, four sacks in the Super Bowl. You, you mean, if we win that game, you're talking about he's probably the MVP. 
yeah, or, or he's in the conversation. We're gonna, um, to, we're gonna have to pay him here in a couple of years, but hey, we'll worry about that. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. He'll get that money that Don Terry Poe's got right now. Yeah, but and that was really encouraging to see because we have been gashed, especially up the middle on the run back to back weeks against Miami and New England. Jaya, I think, had 130 yards, and then the the you know. New England always has multiple backs, but I know they were well over 100 yards rushing. I like how we're just skipping over the fact that we didn't do a podcast after the New England game. Yeah, and it's probably for the best. Nothing to say there, right? No, our schedules did not align. They cheated. They pumped in fog. It wasn't fog. It was fireworks smoke. Fireworks smoke, yeah. They shot off a bunch of fireworks, (laughs) and the the smoke just permeated through the rest of the game. Well, what it was was they, they shot off the fireworks, and then they had a bunch of fans on top of the uh, top of the stadium, mm. so the fans were just blowing that smoke straight back down. But then they had other fans on the ground Shooting pumping it, it right up. back up. And right, it's a classic like cloud situation. And not only did that affect you know the game, it also affected the broadcast of the game, which was very unfair to NBC. Yes. <laughs> so I mean, it's a whole deal. So you know, we were like, Graham and I had a sit down meeting about it after the game, and you're like, you know what? We're not going to give the Patriots. The satisfaction. The satisfaction of, of us even discussing this game. It didn't happen. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> what happened, but we'll, we'll, we'll pretend like it didn't. Um, Back to the Jets. Yeah, so it was... Um, overall, there were, there were some good things to take away from this, but it still wasn't perfect. You still had some issues. Uh, you know, field position being one of them, right? And we, we joked about Andre Roberts in the, in the beginning of the, uh, of the broadcast here, but I think... In actuality, um, you know, he, he has made some really baffling decisions in terms of when he's choosing to catch the ball on punts, when he's choosing to let balls go. We had multiple drives start at, like, the one inside the 10-yard line because of his foolishness. In fairness, that's, like, I feel like you're going to say that about whoever's... Like, we said that about Eric Weems all the time. At least with Weems, even though he had some questionable... You know, you're you're not going to be perfect on that. It's hard Williams to had zero that. athleticism. Like, yeah, Andre Roberts, yeah. like he could take one. Andre back, Roberts has has a much higher upside than Weems in terms of touchdowns, but it's just his his decision making, not just on punts, but throughout the season on kickoffs. You know, he's he's fielding kickoffs like eight, six, seven, eight yards deep in the end zone. He's running them out. And he's getting get tackled at the fifteen yard line. I mean, he's he's made some really dumb plays, but we saw. We absolutely saw that there's the potential there, and we knew there's potential coming from Detroit because he had two touchdowns last year in punt returns. He had a he had a punt return for a touchdown that was called back on a very questionable call. Yeah, shoddy. Yeah, but um, that's a big problem I think that needs to be uh, cleaned up. Um, and I think you have anything you want to add? Well, I'm, I'm going to add something to the other side of the field uh, possession game there. Mm-hmm. Matt Bosher. Oh yeah, he he he, really he was cleaned his act up. Beast. Yeah. Kick the shit out of that ball, man. He really, um, his last two punts were great, particularly the last one. You know, it's like the last. Well, the one that got us the turnover, that, that kind of. No, that was fantastic. Yeah. That was, that was in the ten, within the 10-yard line, but the one after that, too, oh, bounced yeah. out at like the three-yard line. That was like something out of Madden 2004. Yeah. And it, was, it was just perfectly placed, and, you know, that really makes it near – not completely impossible. There's like 40 seconds left in the game. I can't remember. It was under a minute. You have to start a drive at your own like three-yard line. In those conditions. In those conditions. Yeah. That's demoralizing. So good on Bosher for straightening his shit out. Hopefully that continues. Um, but yeah, there's still some issues 
I think, uh, on offense, particularly getting um, like Taylor Gabriel involved, for example. One reception for minus three yards on a screen that just got blown up in the backfield. <laughs> I mean, he cannot get. we cannot get anything going with him. Um, there's still a lot of issues, I think, in general with Sarkeesian in terms of his scheming, his play calling. There's no – I think one of the big tenets of the, the Shanahan-led offense was deception. A lot of play action, a lot of bootlegging, a lot of guys going in motion, a lot of lining up guys in different, on different positions of the field. Sometimes you put you know, Sanu or Julio on the slot, you know, just mixing it up. And there seems to be none of that. It's like we get to the line – Maybe a guy goes in motion once, maybe not. Maybe you know it happens maybe like three or four times in the game. But for the most part, it seems like we just get to the line, snap the ball, and it's really obvious whether or not we're going to run or pass, it seems yeah, like. Pretty basic at this point. In this, in this game, though, I mean, our upcoming game against Carolina, this is our first real test. We're, what, eight games into this now? Well, seven for the Falcons, but well, it's going to be the eighth game. It's going to be the eighth game. Yes. So... They should get Sarkeesian's scheme down by now. We're not playing in New York in a torrential downpour. Now's where we see what we can do. Yeah, particularly against a divisional opponent that you know, right? I mean, this is where the rubber really hits the road, and, and it, this will begin to decide whether or not we're going to get in the postseason and also begin to decide what kind of football team we are because we still haven't played a complete four, you know, no, week really game. Yeah. Packers were the closest. Um, Packers was the closest, and that and we. Lo- I thought we looked really good overall in that game. But other than that, every game has sucked in some way. There's been a big letdown on one side of the ball or the other or both. And the the, the Panthers game, I think this weekend is the the chance for us to really turn it around because uh, for those that don't know, uh, the Panthers traded away Kelvin Benjamin, their number one receiver, for a third and seventh round draft Very pick. Very interesting move on their part. There. It makes no sense to me. Um, only what I've heard to justify it is a they're worried about his knee, mm-hmm. b they're not going to re-sign him, and c Cam played really well the year he was hurt, but he also had Greg Olson that year. Yeah, and Greg Olson's gone, so I mean, well, he's lot. hurt. He's coming back. Well, yeah, but who knows when that's going to be? But yeah, they have zero deep threats right now. Right, so they got Funchess. Well, they have some some rookie that they drafted in the second round. That apparently has a bunch of speed, but mm, not familiar. But well, he might smoke us this week, like this uh, the dude for the Jets last week. It's yeah, and and that's another thing too. A negative, right? Is is uh, Trufant getting burned by Robbie Anderson? If you know yeah. who Robbie Anderson is, I don't blame you. He's he's the number one receiver on the Jets, but he, make, he made Trufant look like a rookie. Yeah, um, really burned him on one play for a for a touchdown. There could be plenty of times that we're not seeing. You know, Trufant really doing great in coverage because, you know, the attention's not on him. Because he's doing his job. Because he's doing his job. But, you know, when you get beaten like that by a, I think Anderson is in his second year or something, it's like, what the hell? Yeah, I think this is the first year I've noticed Trufant so much, which is, which is not, a, not good a good thing yeah. for a cornerback. Yeah, normally he's just got the guy locked down. They don't even look onto his side of the field. Right. Or he's, or he's, or if people are challenging him, he's making deflections or not giving up you know that many big plays or he's getting a pick what was his injury last year i can't remember off the top of my head we'll call it a i think i think it was a leg or knee we'll call or it a something. hamstring so he's coming off a hamstring injury so you know i mean it's it's gonna take him a while to like fully like feel like he can trust that hamstring you know yeah or whatever appendage was was hurt but yeah i i think it was a leg injury and i don't know and 
We'll see what happens. I, I think he's still got all the potential in the world. We've, he's proven that he can be an elite cornerback, but um, he's really got to start showing it. And I don't know what the recipe for success is there, but we're not seeing it right now. So bottom line, Graham, do you think this is a team on the rise? Like this is the beginning of them figuring it out, putting it all together? Or are we back to the Mike Smith 9-7, and 8-8 eight and eight era? I, I don't think we can make that determination yet. I really don't. Um, a lot of things still concern me about our head coach. Um, maybe not a lot, but there's one very critical. You're off the Quinn train now. Area. I'm not off the train. I will say this. With Quinn, it seems like he doesn't know when he needs to step in and say, just run the fucking ball in any scenario where we absolutely need to do it. It's And it's been proven in the Super Bowl. It's been proven this year. When in the, um, in the Bills game, we had third and one, fourth and one. We don't run the ball for some reason. And it was proven in the Patriots game where we are third and goal on the goal line, fourth and goal on the goal line. And we don't just run it with our $25 million running back or our secondary excellent running back who was underpaid. And we decided to do a fucking jet sweep with Taylor Gabriel, who has done nothing all season. Like, these are moronic moves where you're just outsmarting yourself and not putting yourself in position to win. You need one... If you can't get one yard with Freeman or Coleman, then... All right, we didn't get it, but that's the right thing to do. And this, this has happened. This is like the third time. Well, I hear what going you're. Back to last I hear year. what you're saying here. Step in and figure out. You would think after he was defensive coordinator on the Seahawks team that lost to the Patriots when they had Marshawn Lynch in the backfield at the one yard line, and they threw it for some reason. You would think he would look at that and be like, "Hmm, you know what? When I'm head coach next year, the Falcons, maybe I will run the ball at the fucking one yard line." I hear what you're saying here, Graham, but I also, coming from a user's perspective that just heard what you said five minutes ago when you're complaining about Sarkeesian just lining it up and running a straight play instead of doing some uh, trickery like Shanahan did, contradicting yourself here a little bit. No, it's very different because trickery is necessary on plays when you're not like at the goal line, when you're at the fucking goal line, just bust it up the middle, man. It's not that simple. But it certainly can be. And it's been like... If they you, know that's what you're going to do, you're going to get stuffed. Not all the time, though. That puts you. What puts you in a better position to succeed? A fucking jet sweep with Taylor Gabriel or a run up the middle with Freeman. Even though you know it's coming, that man can get a yard. It's not going to work every time either way. No, but you put yourself in a much better position to succeed when you have need one yard and you have a good running back. You think the Cowboys with Zeke Elliott say they have they need one yard, what are they going to fucking do? You watched that Redskins game last week. They ran up the middle with him every time, and he got the first down. I'm not saying Freeman or Coleman is as good as Zeke, but I am saying that they are good enough to get a yard when you absolutely need to. I'm talking about with Sark. I'm talking about like on first down or second and ten where it's just very t- clear run formation, and you just hand it up. How many times did we watch Mike Smith and Michael Turner just run it up the gut and get stuffed three straight times. Here's the difference. And you're here complaining, well, we got to get more creative with the goddamn playbook. What no. the hell are you doing? You can't just give the ball to Michael Turner every time the defense knows that's coming. <laughs> well, I'll say this about that. <laughs> One, Michael Turner in that phase was in the twilight of his career, and our offensive line sucked. But you, I will say this. You got Brian Finneran on the outside. You got to throw the fade, man. You got to throw the fade. You let him go get the ball. Well, when Brian Finneran was playing, Turner was fine. So, But I'll say this about that. Um, you got to fact check whether or not Finneran and Turner ever played on the same oh, team. Oh, yeah, they did. You sure? Finneran played until 2011. So, hmm. yeah, they definitely played together. Right. But um, 
But you know what? I'll say this about Smitty, even though he might have made some bad calls in terms of like on fourth down, you know, in, like we're in, we're kind of like in our territory going for it. Eh. But at least it was like, I'm going to try and trust my team to get the fucking yard. Like the fact that I couldn't get the yard was disappointing, but the route they took was fine because it's like you have a good running back. You can't get a yard, then your fucking team sucks. Sorry. Our team doesn't suck. Our running backs are good. They're in the prime of their careers. Give them the ball at the one-yard line and bust it up the fucking middle. I'm sick of this shit. And one more thing I'll say about Dan Quinn and to touch on this New England game is it was absolute bullshit that we're going for it on fourth down midfield against Tom Brady. We did it twice. Once we were bailed out by Matt Ryan invoking his inner Michael Vick. The second time, we were down 10 nothing. We're at It's like fourth and six or something. We don't get it. We get the greatest quarterback of all time in the field, and he goes down and scores a touchdown, 17 nothing at the half. Bullshit. Absolute bullshit. I thought we weren't going to discuss, discuss New England. We already talked about it a little bit. That's just the, I'm, we're, still on, we're still on the uh, ragging on Coach Quinn here. There's no excuse for that. You, have, you just pay the guy $25 million. Give him the fucking ball for a yard. Okay, okay. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. Like, am I, am I really that crazy here in, in saying this? Uh, you're, you're sounding a little... Oh, no, like, what you're saying isn't crazy. Your approach to saying it's a little... You, you do sound crazy. A little psychotic. Yeah, yeah fair enough. But, like, the basic point, run it up the middle, that's very sensical. And when you need one yard. Your approach would get you kicked out of any press room. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Coach Quinn, I got one more fucking thing to say to you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I think, I think we got that. Yeah, but that's my last point I want to make on Coach Quinn. Okay. But looking uh, looking, <laughs> looking forward, forward <laughs> looking forward to the, uh, the, the Panthers game. Uh, so, as we mentioned, the Benjamin trade clips their wings offensively, certainly. But um, you look at the, the defensive side of the ball, top 10 in both pass defense and rush defense, only giving up 80 yards or so on the ground and only giving up about 200 yards. And through the air. So they are definitely have gotten back to the defensive form that they had during that uh, Super Bowl run they had uh, a couple years ago. Your boy uh, Julius Pepper is still doing it at 37, I think. Yeah. Top, That's absurd. Top five. Seven and a half sacks. sacks. Yeah. No, he, he's the ageless wonder. And um, we certainly got to watch out for him, especially if he's lining up against uh, our boy Schweitzer. Mm. That's, that's concerning because they are going to get pressure on us. Matt's going to have to sling the ball a little bit faster than he wants to. How do you uh, attack this Carolina defense, Graham? That's tough. I mean, I think um, establishing the run is important. I think also um, attacking their secondary, because I think their secondary is the weakest part of their team. Because you got Keekley at linebacker. You have Keekley and Thomas Davis at linebacker. You got Peppers and a bunch of other guys on the defensive line that are good. So a bunch I, of other guys. <laughs> Yeah. They've got some second-year cornerback. Uh, don't ask me his name, yeah. but uh, he's pretty good. Yeah, no, their cornerbacks have improved. But, shut down a... But I think um, trying to get the passing game involved is important because I think that's the weakest part of their defense. You know, not giving Luke Keekley the opportunity to make a big play, putting the onus on Carolina's secondary, I think is going to be really important in this game because our receivers are better than their secondary, I think. And um, that's where I think the game can be won on offense. At, at the end of the day, though, I'm generally going to take uh, both pretty good defenses ranked 
pretty close to each other. Um, I'd say their defense is a lot better than ours. But, yeah, I mean, our defense, actually, you look at it statistically, is much better than last year at this time. We were getting, like, 28 points a game. We're middle of the road. I think yeah. we're 15th overall in defense right yeah. now. But, but last if year, we get some yeah. damn turnovers, man. That's the thing that's missing, right? Like, it's missing big time. Yeah. I, and I think I, turnovers are one of those things. I think it's not luck, per se, but you get some things going your way, you know? Cam has had a proclivity to turn the ball over this season, um, throwing 11 interceptions through eight, eight games. So, um, And Cam doesn't exactly – Cam does a lot of things well. I'm not going to shit on Cam, but adversity is not his middle name. No. When things don't go his way, that's not where it's, Cam, like, steps up and just leads his team through it, you know? Right. So with him, like with his number one receiver, I know he's not happy about Benjamin being gone. So I'm kind of happy that we're the team that's coming in the week after that trade happens because he is upset, I'll tell you that much. There is blood in the water there, and it's and we need to set the tone early and get them out of the game early because um, I feel like that situation with with Benjamin is something the team's either going to rally around or is, is going to sort of, you know, I don't want to say dismantle, but, you know, it, it can certainly be a, a point of, of – issue for 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 a team when you lose a guy like that well it is just a weird thing too because like both like that trade the bills and the panthers two five and three teams right and obviously i guess they have different perspectives on where they're going that season with the bills like they're going for it and the panthers are playing for next year two years down the road that's the thing is i don't know if they are that's the weird part is like you're five and three um, but why do you make that trade I, if you I, don't think I, you can win this year? I, I agree. Like it, it sort of signifies that they, unless it's, they think it's an addition by subtraction thing. Yeah, like I, I think if you look at it at face value, yes, it looks it signifies that they're packing it up this year, and you trade your number one receiver for for nothing really. I, I still think they, they get like a fourth round pick, third round pick, and seventh round pick. So I don't know what you're for a guy that talented. I think that's a bad trade, but. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's a method to the madness that we just don't know about, but it doesn't make sense to me right now. We're just a couple guys, though. So yeah, what do we know? Um, but I think it's a good week to get them. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully, a lot of Falcons fans make that drive up. Yep, the eighty-five, ba- the Battle of I eighty-five, the Shallot. So, uh, who you got this week? I don't like predictions, Graham. I'll say this. feel not confident but I wouldn't be surprised if we win yeah no I think this is definitely a winnable game the key is going to be attacking their secondary and and protecting Matt against that stingy defense I'll say this I feel better about this game in Carolina than I did about us on the road in New York I do too Um, because we're familiar with this environment this is a down team right now due to the trade so I think this is the perfect time to play them and I think it's supposed to rain too, so we know how to play in the rain now. Well, that's <laughs> that kind of scares you then with the uh, Matt having his his fumble issues. But well, now we know just shotgun. Yeah, and that was actually one adjustment that was made that I really liked. Was I think you know after that there last were no fumble, issues after that they they stopped snapping it from the uh, you know under center and it was just like shotgun every play. So if it's raining up there, just shotgun it. Cam's just gonna throw interception after interception. I, and I think this is a this is a chance for the defense to really break out with that offense being as down as it is, to really force him to make some turnovers. Because he's he's had a couple of games now where he's had multiple picks in games, including once against uh, the Saints. 
So I, I think the, the time is ripe for this, this defense to really bust down and force multiple turnovers. I agree, Graham. No. I agree. So uh, moving on to our Atlanta Hawks. You want me to take this one? Please. They suck. Should we go on to the Braves now? Yeah, moving on to the Braves. Braves. Um, what do we got going on with the Braves now? Not much. So the World Series ended uh, a couple of days ago. The Astros went in seven. And there are a lot of Braves players on both, mostly on the Astros, but they've also got uh, Alex Wood on the Dodgers. Yeah, this was big talk on the uh, Atlanta's own text line mm. with uh, a lot of people chiming in on that. Just, I mean, start with the Astros, I guess. The sure. most obvious ones, McCann, Gattis. Gattis. Awesome that that duo came back together. Yeah. I mean, you can't, there's nothing to like dislike about either of those no. guys, you know? No. Like, I'm happy for both of them. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Mabin was on the Astros Cameron as well. Mabin. He had um, a cup of coffee here by the former Brave. Yeah, he was here for the first year of the rebuild. Yep. Then the Dodgers, Alex Wood, of course, the worst trade of Coppy's career. Yep. Lest we far. forget Charlie Morton on the Astros. Charlie Morton. Who finished the game, correct? He did. Yep. It was Morton pitching to McCann in Game 7 of World Series. Dot, dot, dot for the Astros. Yeah. I mean, none of those guys were like the reason they won a World Series. No, but they certainly contributed. I think yeah. McCann, a lot of people have credited McCann as being, and, and Carlos Beltran, uh, who both of them came over to the Astros this year as like the leadership that was necessary for that locker room of really young guys. And a lot of people shit on veteran presence. But um, Oh, it's huge. I think that... Look at David Ross. David Ross, David Ross on the Cubs. I think, it's, I think it's critical because I think if you stick too much, and I'm, I, I love analytics and baseball, but I think if you rely solely on that, um, and don't think about these people as humans too. Like you need a, bl- a blend. You need an analytical mind and an emotional mind. And I think the emotional mind certainly went out with with guys like Beltran and McCann saying the tone in that locker room. You know who's going to be the next guy now? Obviously, this whole catcher thing: David Ross, McCann. Mm-hmm. So Tyler Flowers, it, he's going to play another year with us. Yep. We're obviously not going to do anything this year. Mm-hmm. He's going to get picked up by maybe the Dodgers. I don't know. And then win a World Series with them. Probably. For the same reason. Yeah. So. Makes sense. Ross, McCann. Flowers. Flowers. I'm happy for him, though. That'll be good for him next year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think the only other Braves news, really, is uh, that Major League Baseball has not yet come down with any sanctions on the the Capuella international player scandal, whatever the heck happened there. Yeah. so I, th- I think some reports have said it's going to be another week before we hear something. But, um, you know, it's, it's certainly becoming more of a possibility that we'll lose, lose Mighton and we could lose other players. And I also heard this morning on the radio on uh, Mornings with Nick and Chris on 6A, the fan, fantastic show, uh, that this could also span to, uh, you know, not just international players, but players in the, the normal draft. That there could have been, there, there could be some other dirt there. It's all speculation. It's all speculation. Hearsay. Yeah, we don't know until we fake know. news. Right. Unfair. We'll discuss it once we have. Yeah, once we have it. But that's actual just, tangible. Yeah. Stats. But hearing that made my uh, made my stomach jump a little bit. I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I just we can't get a freaking break in this town when it comes to sports. No. Speaking of, this is not Atlanta sports related at all. But Houston winning the World Series, 
Like, this is something that happened in Atlanta. So, Houston won the World Series, as we know. Right. And then, like, 12 hours later, they find out that their new rookie franchise quarterback, Deshaun Watson, tears his ACL. Like, that's just... That's brutal. That's rough, Talk about emotional highs. But, hey, you know what? Rub some dirt on it because you just won the World Series. So, but that's too bad for Deshaun. He was having a hell of a season. Yeah, I'm... Deshaun's a good dude. But, uh... Yeah, it's fair. They won a World Series. I'm yeah. not going to feel bad for right. Exactly. I feel bad for no one who's run a championship in the last 10 years. No. Yeah. Yeah. Hell no. Um, Don't complain ever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so moving on to Atlanta United. Um, lost an absolutely brutal game in the postseason in the first round. Um, they went to, they call it penalty kicks there. Bill? Yeah, penalty kicks. Yeah. yeah. And you were at the game. I was at the game. Please take it away. But yeah, I went down to the game. Um, figured it was, could be the last chance to see a playoff game in Atlanta for quite some time. You never know. So why not? Uh, tickets were pretty reasonably priced. Went down with our soccer correspondent, Arthur Roach. And uh, the only other guy I know that knows a good bit about soccer, John Galvin. Um. Yeah, we went down there and had good seats. Actually, mm. much much better than the standing room. A good view of the Great Anus. Uh, the energy in there was wild, man. After we got our two dollar hot dogs, of course. Have you so, had those two dollar hot dogs yet? I haven't been yet. Yeah. You still haven't been? Mm-mm. Oh, what the hell are you doing? I'm gonna go to the Falcons game at some point. We'll figure it out. Oh, that <laughs> that doesn't sound very definitive. Yeah, at some point we'll go to the Falcons. At game. some point, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we got some $2 probably hot dogs. Probably over the holiday season or something. Yeah. So anyways, I, I went into the the playoff format for soccer. Do you know this? I know the first round's like just a knockout game, and then you have a series, and then it's like a knockout game, right? Or something like that? Yeah, the first round, the fir- it's the first eight is knockout. So that's just one game, and you're done. The second round would have been like one and one, and then the tiebreaker would have been most goals. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know where it went past that. But... um. So but even before when we were walking down to the game, I was like, so if this is a knockout game, that means potential penalty kickoff or whatever the hell you call it. Penalty kicks. Penalty kicks. Which I predicted from the get-go. Yeah. Arthur did will... You know? yeah, did you want to attest to that? Yes, yes, yes. Under oath? Yes. But here's the kicker. So what I learned about the United... Uh, ah, sure, very sure. Very good. So what I learned about the United in this game is that we play fast as hell. Which means we got to score early. Or you burn out late? Yes. Yeah. So we had so many damn kicks go, like just right off the goal post. Their goalie, who I called the best goalie in the world, Arthur dis- disagreed, but he made a couple amazing saves. And like there was just so many looks. Like it easily could have been like 4 nothing, just a classic United blowout, but that wasn't the case. So then, after regulation, to do 30 minutes of, like, extra time. And you could just see how dead our guys were. Like, they had nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, there was some dude, like, uh, we were just screaming at it the whole time, like, to sub him out. Because we still had, like, three subs, substitutions available. Uh, but, like, he couldn't move. Yeah. He was just, like, walking up and down the sideline. And... uh one of our best players, Joseph Martinez, like you, I could like from the upper deck, I could just see his legs just like bulging, and just like he had nothing, yeah, which sucked. So like, 
all of our missed opportunities early came back to bite us in the ass. Um, Guzan kept us in the game with a couple amazing saves on his own. But uh, they had to pull Martinez. So by the time we got to the penalty kicks, uh, we had two defenders kicking. And, like, our first dude missed. And, like, that just, like, wiped all momentum out of there. Yeah. Uh, And I think we ended up making one goal out of five. Yes, which is. I don't think it even got to the fifth one because I think it was decided at that point. Which is garbage. Yeah, because they got they got the third goal, and then there was like no reason for us to kick anymore. Yeah, I mean, like one of the one of the defenders that kicked, it was just like couldn't decide what to do, so he just kicked it right at the goalie. The goalie didn't have to move. Yeah, it, it looked like us. It was very unfair. Yeah, but then I knew right when I went to to PKs, I was just like, well, there comes a classic Atlanta sports moment here. And that's what I was trying to explain to Arthur and John, and like they were like calling me a pessimist. I was like, no, it's not pessimism. It's just Atlanta sportsism. Well, I guess that was John calling me because he's from Philly. He was calling me a pessimist. I was to say Arthur should know this by now. Yeah, no, Ar- Arthur knew, and his heart of heart was going to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, like one, all those missed opportunities, like, we, and we had like possession, like I don't have the full stats, but at least seventy percent of the time, which is huge in soccer. Mm-hmm. And like I was like, oh, all these just missed opportunities. I guarantee they're going to get one shot on goal, and that's going to be it. Yeah. Which wasn't the case. I mean, it was 0-0, but it was just like, you just, as an Atlanta sports guy, you know. Yeah. You know when you're done. But, but go ahead. Yeah, the, the energy in that building, though, like, it was just like everyone on their edge of the seats the entire time. And, like, had we scored a goal. The anus might have just shot open. It would have been a top Probably top two Atlanta sports oh, moment wow. behind Julio's long touchdown in the NFC Championship game <laughs> uh, against uh, against the Packers or the 49ers? The 49ers. Oh yeah, that was yeah. pretty amazing. When, well, when, we, when were we were there. there. Oh, yeah. you're talking about in person? Yeah, in person. Yeah, got in it. person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll say this about Atlanta United, just like in terms of like what they brought to the city. Certainly tapped into a part of the city that loves soccer and. Um, I think the fan bases, even though there's some overlap, I think there is a hard sect of, of Atlanta United core that just really likes that team and doesn't necessarily support the other teams as much. But it brought something to the city we've never seen before, which was this just unadulterated... Or we've seen it before, but it, it's been a while. From beginning to end of the season, this this unadulterated passion that was just there every single game that created an amazing environment yeah, that cool, really man. showed off the city at its best in terms of sports sports fanatics. So um, that was great. That was great to see the whole year. Even though I didn't wind up going to a game, um, <laughs> I followed along. I watched you know I watched at least ten or twelve games. Yeah, um, and it, it was exciting. It, that was, it was cool. It was fun to have. A new team to cheer for, a new team to follow, and it and it really captured the heart of the heart of Atlanta. So. It got uh, guys like us trying to learn soccer, and yeah. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, certainly. Um, we still sound like idiots when we discussing it, it yeah. but you know you got to practice these things. Sure, we'll we get actually, better. You know, I think watching another season more in depth, we'll 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 get better at that shit. I'm sure from our first episode discussing the United to this one, we sound at least a little better. Yeah. I don't know. You calling them penalty kickoffs doesn't exactly. Well, I know. flubbed that one. Yeah. But. Doesn't exactly help. But yeah. So, um, but they're indoctrinated into classic Atlanta sports where you're in a playoff game where you should win. It's an elimination game. 
you lose in a heartbreaking fashion, and then the other team celebrates on your turf. Yeah, and we've seen this way too many times. There were people outside uh, the stadium, like getting all sobby and all that. I was like, "Come on, guys! This team didn't exist a year ago. You can't be that upset." Oh man, some people are really like love, but they this o- team. they overachieved just oh, to get certainly. there. Like, but I mean that that's the thing though is that they acted like that was the Falcons losing in the Super Bowl or something. To them, maybe it was. Other, you know, now everybody has to share your your perspective, Adam. Well, I say they're soft. Then you cried during the Super Bowl. Yes, because that's twenty eight years of shit Utility. building up. Yeah. Versus, oh, One this te- this team's here. I think I'll watch it. Oh, we lost. No, yeah. yeah, fair. Classic millennial bullshit in my eyes. Bunch of DC liberals. Yeah, but uh, no, it was it was. I got a lot of respect for those guys until I met one of the players at the bar the other night. Oh, yeah. We can go into that story. Should we go into it? I mean, there's, there's nothing super to go into. I was just disappointed. Um, ran into, went to a concert Tuesday night at the Roxy outside of um, SunTrust, SunTrust Park. Park. Forgot the name of that. Yeah, it's a good now. venue. If yeah. you get a chance to go to a, a concert out there, it's, it's well worth it. And all that, re- a lot of that revenue goes to the Braves. So. Yeah. So the more drinks you buy, the more free agents you're 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 allowing us to get. So so that's good. Yes. Um, but yeah, I just like dude sitting at the bar. I was like, oh, that looks very similar to Joseph Martinez. I wasn't 100 percent confident. Uh, someone did a quick search, and we confirmed. And I was like, I'm just gonna go. Like, I had to get another beer. Gonna sit in. Like chat him up a little bit. I wasn't being over and overly invasive or anything. He was there on a date, but I waited until he was like just looking up, watching the World Series, and I was just like, "Hey, man, you play for the United, right?" And he just like stares at me for one quick second, says, "Yeah," and then immediately turns his head the other way. It's like, okay, then well, that didn't go exactly like I was hoping <laughs> for, but let me give it another shot. Um, and I was like, "Yeah, I mean, I, I was at that game." The game last week, that was really tough. You guys fought hard. Uh, sorry I went down like that. Then he just turned to me again, kind of glared at me this time, and said, yeah, and then turned away again. And then I pretty much put my hands up, like, okay. Got it. I got it. Yep. Um, little did he know that he was talking to a podcaster that has 37 users out there. Yeah. They're going to rain down hard on him. Oh, yeah. But it, it was, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, like, yeah. I'm, I'm not, like, the, the people who, like, approach celebrities, like, at, while they're sitting down at a nice restaurant, clearly on a date. Right. I think that's bullshit. Like, don't do that. Um, but, like, for this one, he's like. It's late at night. It's late at night. He's sitting at a bar. Uh, it's a, He's an international soccer player who spoke great English. Like, I thought it was, be, uh, at first, I was like, maybe he doesn't speak English. So his yeah was really, uh. But I could t- well, I, I heard him talking to oh, someone okay. else too, and I was like, oh no, he speaks crazy. So he based off one word. But it's just like I don't know, like I would think that he would somewhat appreciate some dude at least like recognizing him and yeah, no, I the mean, stuff that he did, and at least enough to give thanks for coming out, man. I, I, That's all I, I was asking, right? For. And and at least you weren't some prick who's like, oh my god, can I get your autograph or can I take a selfie with you or some yeah, bullshit? No, like I that. was very casual. Yeah, and so. I mean, like for me, uh, in terms of celebrity stuff, like I haven't had it happen too often, as a, especially as an adult. 
Um, the only like real celebrity I've run into as an adult is Nick Offerman, uh, Ron Swanson, for those of you that don't know, of Parks and Rec fame, where I uh, were in a bar in Wilmington, and I was like, that guy looks exactly like Ron fucking Swanson. It can't be Ron Swanson. What's he doing in Wilmington? But it was him, and we sent him over a drink that he was having, and he just sort of like saluted us. So that's my normal policy on... It's a classic move. Yeah, on... Uh, on celebrity interaction, but I don't think you were disrespectful at all from what you're saying, but I think he was just wasn't in the mood. And I don't think that paints him as a bad dude or anything. And I, I get it from his perspective. He just wants to sit there and enjoy his time and be like any other, any other person. But at the same time, I can also understand your perspective where you were just trying to be like, Hey man, I, I appreciate you. And you guys fought your asses off and well, I'll, I'll, co- I'll have another rant, a conversation with a random dude at the bar and he won't treat me like that, you know? Oh, sure. But like, hey, what's your guy? What's your deal? Guy? What's your deal? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so disappointing. But I, I can I can get it from his angle too. So I mean, say la vie. Although maybe he should have treated you a little nicer. But you know, I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and cry about it. Just thought it was worth mentioning. mentioning. Yeah, um, I moved on. Sam so hasn't uh, you been obsessing about it all week. No, 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 no. But I was like, you know what? This is Atlanta sports related, so I'll have to bring it to the podcast. Sure, why not? And don't and users don't attack don't attack Joseph Martinez. Nah, he, we're, we're we're saying this just solely, just uh, you know, it's just another thing to report on Atlanta sports. Yeah, but he's probably a nice guy. Yeah, probably just caught him at you know it was late night and uh, didn't want to talk to anybody. Fair enough. Or maybe he's a dick. I don't or know. Maybe he's a dick. We don't know. <laughs> we, we don't know his. Well, we don't have definitive evidence. Yeah. We've only heard him say yeah and uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, that's the only evidence we have now. Um, we got our people out there working on it though. Yeah. We got to uh, intern uh, Jared, Jared Given. Jared Given <laughs> yeah. taking a look into this yeah. right now. Yeah, he's, he's on top of it. Yeah. For us. Um, well, I think that's all the time we have for today. So, um, once again, tell your friends and family if you like the show to take a listen if they think they would like to hear two Atlanta drunks and sports fans ramble about Atlanta professional sports. For Adam Kowal, I'm Graham Waldrop. Hospital Town, Hospital